0: to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us.
1: All right. Welcome back to the Gill Athletics Connections track and field podcast. I don't know throwing like a thousand words there. Just know it's the Gill Connections podcast, right? You're here for another week with another amazing guest. Before we get to today's guest who I'm super excited for, I just had to do a quick plug. We are taking the show on the road. So in December Twelfth. That's next Monday. Holy crap, I just realized that. From 5 to 7 Denver time, I think they're mountain time, which kind of makes sense, right? Uh, We're going to do a live recording of the podcast at the USTF CCCA convention. So how do you get involved? One of two ways. If you're going to be at the convention, come down to the vendor area to the Gill Athletics booth uh, between five and seven and just sit down with me. We're going to do just rapid kind of interviews every five to 10 minutes, just have guests come down and sit down. We'll have some fun questions and some serious questions and just do that until people stop wanting to be on the podcast. Uh, And we'll do that through YouTube live. If you're not going to be at the convention, which I really wish you were because it's one of the most amazing times of the year. You can watch live on YouTube live. If you want the link, I think I have the link on Twitter and on my Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, youtube.com slash gill athletics you'll be able to find it there as well we'd love to have you participate in the audience there for a live recording of the gill connections podcast okay that's enough of a commercial let's get to our recording right here today not live as you're listening to it now but i'm doing it live right now with the assistant coach from the university of hartford in hartford and beautiful connecticut help me welcome the wise the wonderful mr connor green connor how are you sir
2: great mike how are you doing today
1: Uh, You know, you're in Connecticut and I'm in Illinois, which are both cold climates and it's November. I think it's a high of 70 for me today. I have a feeling I'm better than you because it's Connecticut. So I just assume it's always snowing in Connecticut. How are, <laughs> how are you doing? I had no snow yet, which is which
2: is great. And you know, we'll knock on wood because sometimes we get some pesky snowstorms at like the end of October. But, um, you know, it, it, there's some frost on the ground for sure. But, you know, it, it is what it is.
1: You know, for an Alabama boy, any cold is not good. And I married a Chicago girl. So it ain't like I'm not going anywhere. I, I tried yeah. one time <laughs> early. So I got here in 06. I want to say it was 08. So I'd gotten my first winter and it was terrible. And I think I was in the middle of my second one. And I went to our CEO and I was like, hey, David, I was like, I need, I need you to see this vision. Gill Athletics, Jacksonville, Florida office. <laughs> uh, 16 years later, I'm still here in Champaign, Illinois. It didn't happen at all. <laughs> it's weird. It's all, it's like it's centrally located or something for convenience. <laughs> right. Well, actually, yeah. you know, a quick history. So Gill Athletics was started by Harry Gill, right? So Gill Athletics, uh, who was the head coach at right here, the University of Illinois. So he, this is, I think this is fascinating and really uh, speaks through our DNA even today in 2023 that um, uh, it is 2023 right No, 2022? 2022 it is 2022 almost almost, almost see I'm already for next year uh, but Harry was the head coach here at the University of Illinois and started the very first NCAA championships for any sport so obviously it was track and field but it was there was no tennis national championship football baseball none there was none of that he got uh, everybody together and said hey why don't we why don't we like score this out as like a national meet and have a national champion? Uh, Harry Gill started that thing, man. Isn't that amazing? That's,
2: that's pretty incredible. It I is was, incredible. I had the opportunity to be at the, uh, NCAA, um, like the head office, uh, last mm. year down mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. And, uh, I'm surprised I didn't learn about it there. It yeah. was, was full of history, but no, that's that's pretty incredible.
1: I love that place. Did you go and look for like your alma mater in Hartford on the, yeah. Yep. yeah it's pretty, oh yeah. I knew exactly where, yeah, I went to the greatest university in the world, Troy University. So I knew exactly, every time I go there, I know exactly where my Troy emblem is, man. I, it's, of course. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. Uh, well, Connor, let's learn more about you. I really appreciate you being here today. You know, we love uh just talking to coaches around the country on all different levels and of all different uh ages and stages in their career. Uh for you, you know, at some point, assuming that you were an athlete, uh coaching switched in your mind. It went from something that happens to you. Coach would tell you to run laps or throw this or go lift here, right? To maybe some point it, it changed and it was like, oh, wait a minute, like. I could be the coach like that's an actual profession. Where does coaching begin for you?
2: So I'd say for me, um, well, you know, I'll I'll use the term athlete uh, lightly, you know, (laughs) throw the quotations up there. Um, You know, I was an average distance runner, you know, nothing, nothing to write home about. Um, Was fortunate enough to run uh, a year in college. But, you know, it it was one of those things where I don't know if you've ever seen uh, D2, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, uh, you know, classic film, uh, and, and stick with me here. Um, at one point, there is a, a scene where basically, uh, you know, Charlie Conway, one of the main characters, is like, you know, um, he's like, coach, you know how I always said, like, I'd be a better coach than a player? Uh, and I don't know what it was about that one line, but that one line like really, really resonated with me. Uh, and it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I, I was an OK runner, but I, I always knew that coaching was something I wanted to do. Um, and around like I would say my sophomore junior year of high school is around 15, 16 years old. I think it was something that I, I had really decided like, yeah, this is what I would like to do uh, after after the sport.
1: Now, where does that come from? And what I mean by that is, uh, did you have a coach that was really instrumental for you during that time? Because that's fairly young. I mean, I I, had a 10-year college coaching career, and now basically I'm a track coach advocate is what I do now in my career, right? Uh, But I can't say that at 15, 14 years old that I even thought, like, I, I had no clue. How coaches became coaches. I, I I probably just assumed everybody was a teacher to be real. For even in college, I probably was like, oh, they probably teach. W- where did that come from at such an early age? That you're like, oh yeah, this is kind of what I'm I'm digging here.
2: So it's funny that you mentioned the uh, the teacher thing. You know, I think like many coaches, um, uh, and you know, kind of fitting in with that stereotype. So I had wanted to be a, a teacher. Um, my I had a sixth grade teacher uh, who was very very influential. Um, on my life, I actually wrote like my college essays um, about him and like the impact that he had. Uh, Shout out to uh, Mr. Kenyon uh, in uh, Charles Wright Elementary School. But uh, it was one of those things where I always knew I wanted to be involved working with kids uh, at all ages. Those, I mean, I would say that was probably the only type of job I've ever had is like a camp counselor or, you know, working in a daycare or, you know, coaching or anything like that. So um, I always knew that helping kids kind of grow and develop and, you know, like see their potential was something I always wanted to do. And I, it obviously wasn't until I was older that like, I kind of connected those pieces, but it was something that was kind of always underlying them there. Um, Even we used to do this like fun run with the uh, elementary school kids. And it was just something as simple as like me leading them, you know, doing like a half mile, like on a trail behind the school, just as like a fun run for them. And just like seeing how happy and excited they were, like Just those little moments, you know, kind of helped kind of solidify it. I was very fortunate to also have some, some pretty great coaches um, that helped kind of guide me down that path.
1: I'm always interested in bigger than life people like you're describing Mr. Canyon Kenyon. Kenyon. Yeah. Kenyon. Um, Cause you know, we, we have a lot of people, especially as young adults and young people uh, that come in through our lives, right? You had many, many teachers, you had many coaches, uh, uh, maybe bosses at your you know, different jobs through high school and things like that. But Mr. Kenyon obviously sticks out to you. W- what did he do? How did he make you feel that like, even today you're like, Oh yeah, Mr. Kenyon shout out. Like, dude, if it wasn't Ken- for you, I'm not sure where I'd be. What, what, what was it about him?
2: You know, I I got to be honest, it, it's funny because I had his wife the year before as a teacher and they were both just those quintessential teachers that, you know, they, they're they just doing their job. Like, they're just being who they are, just caring about their students and just watching. You know, I was very passionate about history and everything as well at that age. And like, just him nurturing that, like, um that interest and that that curiosity within my education where it's like I was... I don't know I was kind of a, I was one of the students that was in between like I wasn't a bad student but I wasn't a great student and um, you know a lot of times those kids kind of fall through the cracks and just being able to get like that little extra bit of support um, and motivation and you know um, guidance was just really really critical and it was something that I obviously appreciated but it was something that I realized later on that I was like that's why I like coaching so much, or that's why I like, you know, training people and everything, because it was that exact experience that has kind of helped guide and shape the way that I kind of live my life.
1: I believe a lot of coaches want to have that type of influence over their athletes, right? To be a good role model. And so, you know, hearing the words of how you describe him, like, that's why I want to talk about like influential people like that. Cause it's like, oh man, someone's listening going, oh man, I, I'm missing the boat. But here, here are the words uh, that you described using uh, for, for Mr. Kenny, there, uh, caring, nurturing, guiding, like those are like really good principles for us to like double down on as coaches. If we want to have, more, even more. We already have an uh, an abundance of positive influence over young people. So, hearing those kind of words and what they mean to you is like that. That to me is a good like primer of like, oh man, you want you want to be a better coach. It ain't always in the X's and O's. Sometimes it's being better empathy and being better caring and being better guidance uh, for young people. So I, I appreciate that. I was, I was just, uh, it, was, it was interesting when you said, Mr. Kenyon, your face kind of changed a little bit of, you know, just like, like a flood of fond memories kind of hit you, I think, when you, you said his name. So that was, uh, that was interesting. I appreciate sharing that. So yeah, absolutely, what, as you go through high school and you say you're an average runner now, here, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit and not knowing at all of what you ran time-wise, and you don't have to tell me uh, at all, it doesn't matter, but I'm going to push back at being just an average athlete, because you then also said you ran at least a little bit in college. Uh, I've seen too many athletes, and I was a track athlete myself, uh, who had no shot at running college, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and was a mid-distance kind of hurdle kind of guy. So You weren't just an average runner. You had to be a decent runner here. How did that manifest itself as far as um, thinking about you wanted to be a coach, you wanted to help and guide young people? Uh, How did you choose college and what did you go in as a major?
2: Yeah, so getting into distance running was never my plan. Like most New England kids, well, I would say most kids, you know, I grew up playing soccer, basketball, baseball, and, you know, was not great at any of them. Uh, and then did indoor track my freshman year. I was like, all right, I'll be a sprinter. That's fine. That sounds easy. Uh, I didn't know anybody in that group, but I had a buddy who, um, I'd played soccer with that he was going out for distance. So, you know, we're, we're out there that first practice. And I think we had to do like a three or four mile run. Uh, and I think I stopped like 12 times because, you know, it's, a long run for somebody who's never done that before. Um, and, and don't worry, I remembered that when I became a coach, uh, and, um, it, you know, but then I just kind of kept, uh, kept with it and, you know, was a distance runner. And then, you know, that was fortunate enough to kind of guide me through, um, high school. And then, uh, I was all set to, uh, go to Keene state college. And, uh, but then I ended up, uh, getting an offer to run for Merrimack College in Massachusetts. And this is when they were still division two uh, and they didn't even have track and field. So in my mind, I was like, perfect. I love cross country. It's my favorite sport. Like that's all I got to run. Um, it was going to be great. So I was going to go there, study history and secondary ed and uh, you know, and then you know, kind of follow in the, the footsteps that I had thought were going to be laid out for me, but you know, so. So far at this point in the story, it's going well. well yeah. I
1: feel like there's a cliff we're about to. There, <laughs> there's, there's a little there. bit okay. of a cliff, but oh, it's good. okay. That's what makes good stories. I'm excited. Yeah. Con, <laughs> Cause you've lived through it. So that's why I can be excited about It's like, okay, so it, something's bad about to happen, but good news. He's here with me today. So we're all good. I, I'm curious. It, it's something, you know, I was, uh, I was, uh, I, I almost point blank said I was not a distance runner. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I played football, I ran track. But I also did cross country during football. We were terrible. We had no structure, so uh, we needed a cross country team. So I was a lineman, an offensive lineman in football, and then then on a couple of Saturdays we would run. Across you run three miles through 5k or something like that. And and in yeah. Alabama, the state meet, at least back then, uh wasn't all comers as well. So you didn't have to qualify like through a regionals or anything. So we'd run in states. I ran a state every year, but it was like, oh, but I stopped. That's how bad. I mean, I was in football. We didn't train. It wasn't like I was doing football practice and then would go run miles. No, no, I just did football practice and then see a Saturday after the game, Friday night, all beat up from the from the game. <laughs> I was
2: gonna say I can barely get my lineman to do you know warm-up laps sometimes mm-hmm. I couldn't even imagine getting them to run a yeah. 5k <laughs> uh,
1: as much as I I was a starter I, I started my last two years uh as much as I weigh now I wish I weighed that much back in high school because I'd have been a much much better lineman I remember one time <laughs> this is terrible so we're playing our <laughs> rivals and I'm uh, I'm starting to write guards this was my junior year and uh this guy the 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 right defensive tackle so you know the not the guy lined up on me, but on the other side, we're, uh, we're waiting for, you know, the ref to let us to, you know, get down and snap the ball. And the defensive tackle looks at his defensive tackle and goes, wait, that guy is who you're up against. You should be killing that guy talking about me. I mean just right there in the middle of the game he's oh, like man. you should be killing and I was like wait is he talking about me oh, I was like I'm right here man come on I was like how rude dude yeah. that's some that's some
2: psychological warfare right yeah uh,
1: yeah and it wasn't like I responded but like oh I'm going to I was like all right, look man I'm uh, what was I 170 probably back then I was like I'm just trying to survive bro <laughs> we're just trying to get things done okay what I'm, all that to say is it's interesting you said Going to Merrimack, you're like, oh, that's kind of my jam because it's cross country only. I don't have to worry about track. Those, those were my words. You didn't say that, uh, but you love cross country. I mean, but it, it's true. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's interesting um, because you never. I've never heard, and I think never is the right word. I I, I try not to use like real definitive hard words, right? Because it's rarely true. Um, but I don't know that I've ever heard of a distance runner that says, "Oh man, I love running the 5K on track," but. Phew, that cross-country stuff is for the birds. An 800-meter runner has said that for sure, but I haven't heard very many, you know, distant, track distance guys. Why, why do you think that that is?
2: So one thing that had kind of happened to me, and, and you know, you, we are talking about, you know, things that kind of happen in our lives, but in high school, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD um, as well as uh, like a couple of like anxiety things. But um, the ADHD diagnosis really kind of brought like, my whole life prior to that. And after it, like into focus, uh, literally. Uh, And um, it was one of those things where the reason I loved cross country so much is because it wasn't repetitive. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just lap after lap after lap. Um, My mind wanders quite a bit and cross country allowed me to, you know, kind of go into that, that basic, just zoning out and just wandering through the woods, but, you know, while also running fast. And um, it, it was just something I always really loved. You know, I, I still love obviously being out in nature, you know, I'm a a basic millennial. I love, you know, hiking and all that stuff. So uh, it's, it's just something I always enjoyed and it really kind of pulled it into focus. Um, I didn't have to count. That was, that was always a great Mm -hmm. thing indoor track in new England. Well, anywhere, counting laps is the worst Mm -hmm. thing ever.
1: (laughs) That that makes a lot of sense for a guy who, you know, I, would not call myself uh ha- having been a cross country runner, even though I ran I ran. There's air quotes there for sure. Uh <laughs> cross country meets. Um like I I love the the philosophy of cross country like I love the team aspect there's always a team score there's always a team yeah. you're going for a team level uh, as well as going for the individual championship and all that kind of stuff there's that in intra squad competition of who's going to be the fifth runner the fourth the sixth, you know that, that changes from time to time um, what I don't like about cross country is it's hard to watch the whole race that's the that's the my problem <laughs> Uh, that, that's, that's why it was um,
2: fun being in the race
1: yeah yeah no that's a good point yeah yeah yeah. but see for me I'd had to like well then that means I got to run and that's okay I'll just give me the results and I'll see what it's all about so um but it's interesting I do think you know cross country is uh, is special it's different you know there it's uh, it's always a team thing it seems like where track is not necessarily always uh, a team thing so it's just always interesting when the distance runner says oh man I love cross country but track and I never thought about the counting laps and the rep, rep, rep repetitiveness of it right because with cross-country at least you got some stimulus there's different you know exactly. boulders or woods uh <laughs> you're in a path. oh a new tree yeah yeah, yeah new tree <laughs> you run by the parking lot oh there's car you know with the track it's yeah. like oh yep here's uh you know what was the 10k 25 laps is that right mm-hmm. uh, outdoors yeah yeah here's here's another lap that's that's what this is oh the same official oh the same lap counter yeah yeah. yeah. it's i had to count laps for
2: uh one of our girls at uh bucknell last year and me and one of the uh, the other uh, distance runners that was helping me, it was like we were losing count of like how many laps, and we weren't even the ones running. And it was just, you know, it's one of those things where it it takes a special person to be able to put themselves through that. So, and when, you know, I, I can fully admit that that wasn't that wasn't for me.
1: When so. you hear about you know a race. Uh, which essentially means the official and the athlete has to uh, take some um responsibility here, but they run a lap short or, you know, or something like that, or they ring the bell short and, you know, people just go nuts. And I'm like, man, that's a human. Like, I have a lot of grace yeah. for that. I was like that person was trying to count 25, 200 meter laps or what, you know, whatever the race is. I'm like, it, ha- it rarely happens that get all up in arms. If it happens at every race, when it's once a season or, you know, even twice a season, it's like, Oh, it, it, the, the process is working. Most people are able to do this and some poor Person made a mistake and doesn't and feels worse than any of us. By the way, <laughs> uh, yeah. that they made that mistake. Okay, so let's let's get to this cliff, man. I'm I'm, yeah. uh, I'm building up the excitement here. You go to Merrimack. You're gonna run cross country. You're gonna study uh, history and secondary mm-hmm. education. You're you're like, oh man, I'm set. This is where I'm going. I'm gonna be a high school teacher and track and cross country I'm coach. Broke,
2: yeah, I, right, so. I was fully ready, uh, and then uh, basically school wasn't, wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, as somebody, and once again, it takes, you know, years of reflection and, you know, learning more about yourself to kind of realize this, but in the moment it was just, you know, I wouldn't go to classes. Sometimes I didn't do well. um, I didn't have, you know, the same kind of structure that i had had previously where I had found success. Um, And, you know, it wasn't the fault of my coaches or anything like that, or anybody around me. It's like, at this point, you know, I'm an adult and, you know, the choices I made directly impacted, you know, the things that happened. So I didn't have a great GPA, mm. um, you know, it, it was like two, seven, two, eight, something like that. Um, but it was low enough that, you know, I lost my academic scholarship or like significantly decreased it to the point where it's like, okay, well, it, it's not worth going to school there right. and paying, you know, that much money. Um, so I transferred um, after my first year there. So, you know, basically I was looking to come back home, uh, and I, you know, I got a good follow-up for, for that, but I was hoping to transfer to central Connecticut state university, but when I decided to transfer, it was a little bit too late. So I went to a community college instead, but, um, you know, it, it it's funny when how certain doors close and other ones open, uh, because literally a week after uh, my freshman year of college, I met my, uh, my now wife. So yeah, it's, it, it's not the worst thing that, that could have happened.
1: Did you meet her at the junior college? No. So
2: my buddy's sister, we had a, a minor league baseball team that uh, was pretty popular. And uh, my buddy's sister was singing um, her like middle school choir was singing the national anthem. And he was like, Hey, you want to go? Um, I got extra tickets. So, you know, I'm just back from my freshman year, just ready to enjoy my summer. And, um, you know, we're walking around the concourse and and my, my now wife Brittany is at um, one of the souvenir stands. She's working. Um, and, so I walked past like once or twice. And, you know, the same thing that all, you know, 18, 19 year old boys do where they think they look cool. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> come to find out, she's like, oh, that guy's going to come up to me. That, that's like this is the thought she had. Um, but, so, uh, you know, on that third go around, I wrote my name and phone number down on a ticket. Uh, and I walked up to her and I said, you know, this is for you. And I handed it to her. And then I walked away because so there was no way. Yeah, exact, that was the goal, but it was really just, there's no way I want to deal with the repercussions of what I just did, <laughs> you know, positive, uh, you know, hopefully they were going to be positive, but, uh, you know, um, it worked, you know, she ended up, my number was illegible. So she found me on Facebook, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, and basically, you know, we went on our first date like a week later and, you know, we're going on. 13 years together now and it'll be five years of marriage. So I, I think it all worked out.
1: Dude, that story was a roller coaster because you had me really scared for a second because you're like, my buddy's sister had a middle school course. And I was like, Whoa, wait, wait, you're in you're in college, bro. Like, wait, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I, I literally I was like, whoa man, this might not be a we might have to cut this short. This is not going well. And then you pivoted to the the souvenir stand. Yeah, I love it, man. Good that's part, so yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. You, you know, I love stories like that because you know, we have experience now, right? Like we 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 see, we have perspective of what happened and we have the experience of, of what uh, took place. You know, you could have not gone to that um, uh, for, for the for the middle schoolers, game, but yeah. It, yeah, yeah, baseball game. Yeah. I couldn't think of what it was. I, I was thinking Connecticut. So I was like, well, it has to be hockey, right? Cause that's all you guys do up there. Um, <laughs> no, come <laughs> on. This was in, this was in like June. <laughs> Is it hockey like all year? I swear my my (laughs) in-laws love hockey and it seems like the Blackhawks play like all year like okay there's the Stanley Cup and then a week later it's like ah, preseason I'm like well man didn't you guys just end this thing it feels like it's all the time because I'm you know from Alabama so yeah I I can't so there's no
2: hockey anytime I I
1: can't even spell (laughs) hockey that's how little I care about hockey in my life anyway so you could have not gone to that and instead you know you did and Look at the happening. I mean, it's so, it's just so cool, man. Just the little, uh, there, there's a movie. Have you ever seen um, the movie? Serendipity? S- no, 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 no. I'm, it's a little older. You're a little young. You might not, you, you got to go find this if you haven't seen it. Sliding Doors? No, haven't so, heard of it. Gwyneth Paltrow, I believe, is the uh, actress there. And I'm no movie buff here or anything, but I just, this movie kind of impacted me. And it kind of, it shows us a, a story of Gwyneth, the uh, the character that Gwyneth plays of the the subway door. And yeah. she, she makes the subway versus she doesn't. And what happens to her life? Uh, you know, she thinks missing the train is the worst thing in the world. And that's the, actually the happy story uh, where, you know, you see the other side of the story where she makes the train and all bad things kind of happen to her. It's just a really good kind of like, man, there are forks in the road that sometimes we get to make the decision. Sometimes we don't get to make the decision. Sometimes we think it's the worst thing in the world that happens to us uh, from some an external source. And sometimes it's the greatest thing in the world. And I'm so happy that for you, it was the greatest thing in the world. And I'm so glad you took the gumption and we're so smooth uh, to give you phone yeah. number. And thank God for <laughs> Facebook, by the way, because
0: it
2: would have happened yeah. for that as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would have been you know, still alone probably if it wasn't for that, but um, no, yeah, it worked out. So, but you know, then we, I, then I ended up at community college uh, for two years. Um, yeah. So my, my,
1: Did you run there at the junior college No. Yeah. Okay. No, they didn't
2: have a program or anything. So it was basically like my running career was kind of over.
1: Did Um, you, did this, did you think that this would curtail your coaching ambitions?
2: If anything, it kind of sped it up. Uh, So I was able to kind of hop back in. Um, It was either that season. I think I volunteered back with like my high school team um, just for, cross-country season and it was it was great you know like looking back on it now I probably wouldn't have somebody who just graduated necessarily come back and like help immediately and more on the side of like go out like find something new like I would have them volunteer with a different coach or a different team and stuff. So you can learn and like experience something new. Um, I say that though, having hired like multiple alumni, uh, <laughs> throughout my coaching career, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I was, I was very fortunate to you know get involved with, um, uh, you know, coaching that season. Uh, but then what ended up happening is I got referred to another program, um, our school record holder uh, in the mile, he was a, a longtime coach at Southington High School, which is where I, I spent a long time. And I ended up volunteering under him. And, you know, that kind of is what propelled my my coaching career at that point,
1: too. So do you get back on track to, <laughs> pun intended, uh, to get your four year degree or as you're going through this volunteer uh, phase of the beginning of your career?
2: Yeah. So at, um, interest community college, I actually switched out of history secondary ed and I switched into exercise science and
1: health promotion. Um, so because, because of coaching or did you lose the history love?
2: No, it wasn't that I lost the love of it. It was one that didn't have like that kind of major there. Um, and it was that, you know, I'm, I was still at a point in my life where it's like, you know, I think I want this, but then, you know, at the same time, you know, maybe I don't. Um, so, I knew that I, I loved running and I knew that I loved track and field. And I knew that I was very intrigued and interested in like performance and all that stuff. And so I started off and I was like, you know, maybe athletic training is like something I'll do because like I've, I've had really positive impacts with physical therapists and athletic trainers throughout my career, um, as an athlete, you know, they really helped. And so I was like, sure, I'll give it a try. So I get my two-year degree associate's degree in exercise science and health promotion. And, um, Connecticut has this thing where the community colleges, basically, if you graduate with an associate's degree, you get automatic admittance um, to any state school hmm. um, for their four-year program. So uh, I I get my two-year degree. I'm, I'm coaching during that time. And uh, then I end up at Central Connecticut State University, where my wife just also happens to go to school. So
1: uh, it you, worked did out. You, did you plan that or was that the best place for you?
2: It was the best place for me. Um, it, it, it ha- it worked, you know, it, it was nice being able to see her and, you know, cause yeah. the town that we live in now and the town that she's from is, is where central Connecticut state uh, is. Yeah. So it was, it was nice. It was just down the road for us. That yeah. was perfect.
1: So what did you end up getting your four-year degree in?
2: Uh, exercise science.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, a so, pretty big departure from history. Uh, it, it's a huge departure from history.
2: Um, and you know, it, I actually even at one point was like athletic training is what I want to do. And then, you know, I got through part of that and was like, well, maybe not athletic training. So then I moved into the strength and conditioning and exercise physiology side of that our program there. Uh, and I was like, this is what I want to do, as well as coaching during this entire time. So, I, you know, it, it's not often, but a lot of some people do actually get to use their degrees like and fully maximize it within like their career and profession. Um, and I was fortunate enough that, that I got to do that. I think I was working at a daycare at the same time too. So it was like,
1: yeah, I know
2: I told you I'd always jobs with kids. It was at a yeah. gym though. So, you know, it was, it was a
1: daycare. So, um, so You're getting the kids on the bench press one year olds. Yeah. it's yeah, yeah, good. It's going them started yeah. early. Well, of course. Yeah as you're going through finishing out your degree at Central Connecticut State University in exercise science and you're doing these different kind of volunteer stops, th- there had to be, assuming because you're still here today doing this, that had to kind of like lock in like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what I want to do. I know you went through some spouts of athletic training and stuff, but like as you kept going through the different seasons and different athletes and uh, volunteering with other coaches, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. This has maybe been right here in front of my face the whole time. This is what I want to do. Uh, what was it about that? As you think about the the volunteering process and you know helping out other programs, n- not necessarily directing your own at that point, you're just kind of inputting and really uh, sponging up. Like, what are other people doing? What was it about that that kind of locked it in? Like, yeah, this is this is what I was meant to be. I was meant to be a coach.
2: Yeah. So starting off as a volunteer, you know, you make huge huge bucks I think I got like two free shirts or something like that so that that was worth it but you know at 19 20 years old that, you know, that's all you need um but the following year um Rich uh, Nero he he ended up stepping down um he got promoted within the school district and you know he'd been a coach there for like 20 years so he was just taking time for him and his family and stuff so um a new head coach had come in Dan Deschelet and you know Dan is a, is going to be a lifelong friend of mine and uh but he uh he was the distance guy. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. had run at Georgetown. He had coached at UNC Greensboro. Like he, he, he was, he was the guy, like he, he was ready to go. Um, he had taken a hiatus, uh, from coaching, but he was coming back into it. So they didn't need a distance guy. They they needed sprints, jumps, hurdles, anything else, anything, but distance. So here I was now in track and field and it was like, well, you've got a degree in exercise science. You, you'll figure it out. And, and that's what I got thrown into. So in like 2012, 2013, I started, you know, I was a paid position, but I started coaching the the sprinters and the jumpers and the hurdlers.
1: What Some people would say, no, sorry, I, that's not me. I, I I run miles. I don't know meters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that was a terrible distance to sprint comparison. That's all that. right. That's, that's all where, right. That's where I went with it. Uh, what, what is it about you that you kind of accepted that challenge? Well, where was that? Where does that come from? So
2: to kind of circle back to to what your original question uh, was before that is the reason that I was totally okay with it is because I liked the challenge of, you know, trying to figure this out and everything, but it was, you know, I got to see myself kind of grow and be challenged by the the new events and everything. And obviously I was very fascinated by, you know, biomechanics and physiology, but it was, I had always seen the progress of distance runners. Like, you know, I experienced it. I got yeah. to, you know, obviously see my teammates and friends and competitors all see that progress but now i was in this whole new event group this whole new world of okay what what is like you know getting better in the hurdles mean or what is getting better in the sprints the 400 the you know the long jump high jump all this stuff uh and i found something out very very important about myself well a few things one i can't high jump at all save my life <laughs> um that's an important lesson to learn early absolutely early in life. <laughs> Uh, two, uh, I am not brave enough to pull vault. Uh, and Amen. three, that seeing the development of the speed and power athletes from freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, um, was huge. It, it was something like I'd never experienced before. And just like seeing the all the different variables that could go into like seeing that progress and being a part of that progress was something that like, just it, it hooked me instantly. I, I couldn't imagine being in a different event group now.
1: Did you do any formal coaching education at this point for those events? And what I mean by that is, you know, you, you have an exercise science background uh, and that's well and good. And that, that's extremely uh, important to have to help with the uh, writing out your workouts and things like that. But you were not a uh, sprints jumps coach, undergrad, right? That, that doesn't exist. No. If it ever did, man, that'd be amazing. Um, so you, <laughs> I'd you, probably go back to school. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so you didn't, you know, you don't have experience of, you know, what speed workouts look like and what, you know, extensive tempo and things like that. And we definitely don't get an X's and O's here, but what, you seem like a guy, you said you'd like to challenge. Of, so normally for people that I know who like to be challenged, they then therefore like to go learn to overcome whatever that challenge is. What, what Any kind of professional development?
2: Yeah, tons. Um, if anything, if you ask my wife way too much, wow. um, but, uh, you know, really kind of right out the get go, I did, you know, the USATF level one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, it was good. It, I will say like it in my, uh, something that I learned from my dad is that, uh, you know, research is your best friend. So he's the kind of guy that like, if they got to buy a new car, he's doing like three months worth of research. There's scribbled <laughs> notes everywhere. Um, I mean, shoot, they could be buying a new blender and <laughs> it would still be three months of research and, you know, all the digest magazines and making sure everything is like the best it could be. And, um, so that, that's a habit that I, that I learned it basically it was just nonstop research, you know, Googling everything I possibly could. Um, you know, so I did the USATF level one, um, Latif, uh, Thomas, who I know has been a guest on, um, yeah, shout out know, to Guild
1: connections he, alum. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yes. Uh, his complete track and field stuff. Um, I mean, was, was pretty critical, um, to my early on, like sprinting, sprinting career and everything. It was, it was definitely like year two or three of running that group. And, um, you know, unfortunately my first group of, of runners, uh, were my Guinea pigs of, Mm -hmm. you know, and dealt with the repeat 200s that you always hear about and it's like oh yeah no why 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 can't you run like eight to twelve 200s with a minute recovery aren't you a sprinter i thought you were strong you know it's like that poor group but you know that's growth right looking back and seeing, right. seeing that change um you know so he was huge uh going through all those uh videos and stuff that he puts up and uh, yeah he he still is that those websites are still a huge resource um mm-hmm. uh, but that's when i was first introduced sprinting wise, um, to him and, you know, Dan path and Mm -hmm. learning all about those guys. Um, and then I did a, um, jumps video, um, because I was also working with the long jumpers and high jumpers and stuff. Uh, and that's when boo kind of came into Mm -hmm. the, into the fold, into, into my knowledge, you know, where like everybody, I had no idea how to pronounce his name and I was like, (laughs) okay, but that's fine. I was like, you know, (laughs) listening to his videos and stuff. I was like, man, this guy really knows his stuff. Uh, And, you know, so I did a bunch of those. Um, I think USTFCCA at that point had started um, their like courses Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So I did like their technical one. Um, But it was that stage of my career where I was just pulling in as much information as I possibly could, like way too much information.
1: (laughs) You know, I I love one one of the joys of the podcast is learning stories like yours, all the way up to learning the stories and the journeys of gentlemen like Boo Schecksnader, right, who I've been friends with forever. But to hear, you know, another shout out, another Gil podcast alum, to hear his journey. uh, It's quite amazing. And so, you know, it's it kind of struck me as you were talking about, you know, the influence of Abu and Latif and Dan Path, you know, one of the joys of my life here as the podcast host is I was able to you know, kind of represent guys like you to boo. Like I told boo, I was yeah. like, Hey, you know, I represent thousands of people that will never be able to say thank you. That will never, uh, they just don't want to be able to find you or they just don't have the, the nerves or whatever to say. I was like, I represent a lot of people that you've changed our lives you changed our for, for me changed my coaching life uh so and, and i think and i wonder sometimes when i'm t- telling like a boo that uh i wonder if he's just like ah that's really nice because it's being recorded whatever mike and it's like you yeah know, <laughs> here it's like oh wait no actually boo look i'm recording a guy that, I, I represent this guy when i told you boo uh what a influence you you have over people uh because of the way you teach and everything and then of course dan path which um I think I might let the cat out of the bag here on your episode here, Connor. So Dan path, who was Boo's mentor, uh, which blew me away. I had no idea about that. Dan is actually, so you're kind of getting inside knowledge here, Connor. Uh, Dan is going to kick off season four for the Gale connections podcast. So January 2nd will be our first episode of season four. That'll be a Monday, of course, because that's when we uh, publish our episodes here. And Dan path is the, uh, he's the guest man. So um I- if you like, I don't have to follow that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're the warm up leading up to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So if you, you know, you, you named three incredibly uh, amazing gentlemen, but to me in this sport, amazing teachers. So. Latif Thomas, again, if you haven't listened to his episode, please go back into the uh, archives and look up for Latif Thomas. He's amazing. Uh, Boo Shexnader still, or I shouldn't say still, uh, rose quickly and has remained our number one episode ever. So 180 something episodes, and Boo is. Uh, not only number one, but let me tell you, there's a, there's a gap (laughs) between number one and number two and number two is amazing by the way. So, uh, so it tells you what boo. And then Dan, the great Dan path will be January 2nd, 2023. Man, I really don't know what year it is. That's quite amazing.
2: It's, it's that time. It's that time
1: where we just lose track. Well, and we, so our fiscal year is October one. So we're, we're in, you know, we're recording in November. Uh, We're into our second month of our, next year twenty twenty three so we say twenty twenty three even though the calendar yeah sorry. and I'm not that bright again I went to California so <laughs> Come on, went, that's see, not true. I, I'll tell you what, I just said I went to California. I went to Alabama. My wife just left for California today. I'm a wreck today, Connor. All right. Look uh, my wife left me for the well, week we got
2: the kids to take care of. Exactly. You know, you go to work. It, it's a lot.
1: A It's hard when the
2: superstar leaves.
1: You know it. She left today to go visit her brother and his wife in California. So she's gone until Sunday. So uh, you know, we have a, a, a almost 12-year-old and nine-year-old. And I looked at her, and I was like, so it's my responsibility to keep them alive? Because that's what you've been doing. That's like you really did you leave notes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I t- I was like, You you either really, really trust me or you're not as smart as I thought you were, because <laughs> you're leaving them with me. So not good. Uh, all right, let's, let's get go back. with the trust. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I don't know. Again, sometimes i am you know, we've been married for, you know, going on 14 years, 13 years now. And every day I'm just like, wow, you're still here. Like that's, that's amazing. It's so nice that you, you still want to be with me. That's great. Yeah. Uh, all right, Connor. No, go ahead. I
2: no, I was going to say, I have a feeling that I, I mean, I do feel that way. And I have a feeling that even after 14, 15 years of marriage, it's probably going to feel like that even more. So
1: you, 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 you just sit back sometimes and you're like, man, you continue to trust me to be together after all these times because, you know, we, at least me, I just do dumb things. So, yeah. uh I try right, to, back to track. Yeah, yeah, let's get back to track. All right, Connor, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place. I'm doing I know, a it's all good. terrible job with you, Connor. Please forgive me. Uh, right, we're going to do better yesterday. here uh, as we move forward. Okay, so uh, I lost track. Where are we? I know you're your coaching sprints and, and hurdles and jumps. Wh- wh- where are we? What what physical so, place?
2: Southington High School. Thank um, you. So that's, yeah, that's where I spent. I spent eight years there. Um, and I yeah. was fully set on being there for forever.
1: And, um, and, and concurrently teaching physics or chemistry? Nope, or a-
2: nope, no teaching or anything like that. I never ended up getting a teaching degree. Um, I think from like 2015, I was yeah, 2015 to like 2020. Um, I was a personal trainer. So I was working at a gym.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and so that was my that was my day job. I would train clients from 5am to you know 1pm. And then mm-hmm. I would to have like an hour for lunch and then go to practice from two to five.
1: Now um, I did similar. I was a, a, a personal trainer at a, a gym in, in Chicago and coached high school track in the afternoons. Um, and, and that's its own, like, that's an interesting career path. Did you, I mean, you do that for quite a while too. Was there ever a thought like, Hey, this is really why I went to go study exercise science. I'm going to be a personal trainer. Uh, so I got to be honest.
2: It, General population was fun, uh, and you know, obviously, I worked with some really great people. Uh, but it it just didn't challenge me enough um, mm-hmm. because a lot of the commonalities that came into the people that I were dealing with it was the people that just you know were not active, so it was just getting them more active. It was people that were getting a little bit older and they needed more flexibility, more strength training. Um, I did have this one client uh, for a number of years, and then even after I left this uh, this current gym, uh, and I started my own business. Um, I continued to train him. And you know, this man, he came to me at age 70 and was, you know, acting like he was the frailest old man ever, but he, uh, Rick was Rick Lawson. That's his name. Don't forget. He's an incredible man. Uh, you know, he plays like 36 holes of golf a week, walks every one of them. Uh, and he does it, you know, he's been doing it every year since he was like 30. Um, but he, uh, He challenged me because, you know, typically when you get a client that's in their 70s, you know, your first thought is not going to be, all right, heavy deadlifts, squats, you know, all that stuff. At least it shouldn't be. Um, It's usually (laughs) like mobility, flexibility, general strength training, you know, probably dealing with some arthritis and stuff. Um, But he came in and I swear his, his legs did not exist in this plane they, they belong to the gods. Um, uh, he was the strongest man I've ever met. He, he could leg press like 400 something pounds. No problem. Deadlift. We got up to 300. Um, yeah, this, this guy, this guy pushed, pushed me as, as a coach and at a trainer. 70 years old. So for his 74th birthday, uh, he wanted to deadlift 300 pounds. Um, so we, we worked our way and we got him there and he did it with immaculate form like at no at no point was i worried for him at no point was like my boss worried of like oh man this guy's gonna hurt himself like you know he was doing lunges with like 50 pound dumbbells with no problem like if i had film of it he would have been trending on like on on tiktok and instagram and stuff you know like you always see those people he, he, was, he
1: was a machine amazing those are, those are yeah. the unicorn type of people exactly it, it, it also kind of makes me wonder it's like oh well are all people supposed to be like that at 70 like in you know and just in general you talk about general population are we just like normally like oh i'm old so i'm gonna sit on the couch i'm 46 and i sit on the couch so i, I i'm 31 and i sit on yeah, the couch so man. i get it it's amazing yeah. so that didn't uh kind of spark the the juices so to speak but coaching and in in interestingly coaching things that are outside of your natural realm meaning you were a distance runner by trade and here you are doing sprints and jumps and hurdles
2: yeah so like I mentioned you know general population was fine but it was really like that was my paycheck coaching at the high school at Southington and working with the athletes and stuff that was that was my hobby that was my passion that that's what I loved and like you know yeah you get a little stipend at the end of the year or whatever but um you know, that basically just went to loan payments (laughs) for school. (laughs) Uh, But it was, that's where like my, my mind was really challenged. And um, you know, like some people do Sudoku, like my wife's notorious for that. She just (laughs) does like Sudoku and puzzles and like for like 30 minutes every day. Uh, And for me, it's how can I tinker and make my coaching better? How can I make the workouts better? Like, what can I learn from like um, and That's what I was truly, you know, really passionate about doing. I was fortunate that um, my boss uh, at the time, she was really, really open to bringing students in and athletes in and stuff like that. So during the summer, I would run like an athlete camp and everything out of the gym. And, um, you know, because why wouldn't she want more people coming in and, you know, paying money and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. it was great because I got to, you know, continuously work with with students, even though we were out of season. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was great.
1: What did you see? I know you didn't necessarily have... Distance running, um, coaching, training background at this point, but you had experience. You'd, you'd done a lot of workouts, seen a lot of different workouts. You uh, volunteered for different coaches, so you saw different things. What commonalities? Again, we don't get into X's and O's, but uh, with that kind of background going into a learning how to coach sprints, jumps, and hurdles, were there any commonalities at all, or was it because you know you mentioned the old you know 200 meter repeats? You know, it's kind of a yeah. you know, it's it's. Funny that you said that because that's how I used to recruit when I recruited sprinters. I'd be like, hey, what's a speed day? And if they told me like repeat 200s, so I'm like, well, let's go because you ain't doing speed. So yeah, I get that, you. I, you, I, I do the same fast. thing now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. so what, what, were there any commonalities? And, and maybe it's not X's and O's and more. It's like uh, attitude and, uh, you know, leadership and workout between the kids.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think you kind of touched on it. Uh, it it definitely wasn't necessarily about the X's and O's, you know, a lot of the kids that I was getting, um, you know, soccer was a really, is really big, uh, in Southington. And a lot of the kids that I'd be getting for track were also soccer players. Um, so during the indoor season, I was the head boys coach and during the outdoor season, I was the head girls coach. Um, and then Dan and I would flip flop, but it was the soccer players that were coming to me as sprinters who just getting them to understand the idea that like three to five to six to 10 minutes of rest based on whatever workout we were doing, that's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's a normal thing. Um, so with the distance runners though, it, you know, they're very used to like 90 second rest, two minute rest, two th- rest. Um, but whenever I would get like some 800 kids, I would kind of drop down to the 400 and they get all this rest. It was, it, I I use that term, but it's like, it it was crazy how different the worlds were Hmm. and how they all kind of appreciated being able to move at that faster speed. So like even our distance kids would do, you know, flying thirties and stuff like that, or, Hmm. you know, 80 meter repeats at, you know, higher intensities and stuff. Obviously it was all relative. um, But that would just be something that they would kind of touch on, like, you know, get that energy system going. Uh, And that's why Dan uh, he was, he's a great coach. Um, you know, we had, we had a lot of success uh, him and I together. I think we broke like 58 school records or something like that between the indoor and outdoor season. Um, so it was, it was pretty great.
1: Well, tell me more about that. Cause that was going to be my next question. You mentioned 58 school records. So there's success. What successes did you have on the high school level there?
2: So in that first year um, that Dan and I took over um, we sent our first, group to nationals so we had a um a a relay like a sprint medley relay that uh went and then basically every year after that uh, we sent a minimum of four kids to nationals as either relays or individuals um and you know so those are obviously successes we went from kind of of a bottom of the conference team to you know kind of working our way up and then for like three years straight we won the conference meet um and if if you know anything about Connecticut, there's a couple of teams that are you know like in every state, they're just like the perennial powerhouse schools. Uh, well, two of them are directly always within the same conference as us. So it's like you could win your state meet but lose your conference meet because they were in a different division. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, but you know so. 2018 was kind of like the 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 big year. So, um, we we won the the, uh, Connecticut State Open, which is like the biggest meet in Connecticut. Uh, And we did it with five girls, um, all field events. Wow! Uh, So we had a pole vaulter who won. She jumped like 12-3 or something like that. Um, We had a shot putter and discus thrower, same girl, shot and disc. She won both of those. And then we had a girl that won javelin, Uh, and I think we had an, our, our fifth girl placed like fourth or something like that. So she got a couple of points and we beat out this, the this, this sprint program, uh, Bloomfield high school, which has won
0: yeah, more state titles. Yeah. yeah.
2: than Connecticut in Connecticut history, they, they're incredible. Uh, and so we beat them out by like two points with like the lowest scoring state meet in history. Wow. Yeah. So that, that was pretty incredible.
1: You, you mentioned, because you said there was two historical Bl- Bloomfield. When you said that, I remember that one. What, what's the other one?
2: uh Glastonbury high school is, Glastonbury. is another really big one danbury is another really big one
1: it might be another state up there i thought there was like a um an academy uh, i, I, like I the mean there's of, a lot of it that... it might be new jersey i'm thinking of like the, a bunch of athletes have come out of there there's always good athletes i, I might be getting jersey mixed up you know, I'm from alabama so up in new england it's like new york <laughs> yeah and it's like the, all one block yeah yeah it's all the rest <laughs> yeah yeah uh so what um have a little bit of experience with this, what were some of the challenges of being a high school coach who wasn't a high school teacher?
2: If anything, I think it actually was a benefit to me. Um, you
1: know, I know a lot of
2: coaches that, you know, do teach and everything like that. And they're, you know, they're pulling kids out of the hallway and you know, and all of that stuff. Um, but for me, it was the kids that wanted you know the kids that knew me obviously on the team i think between the guys and the girls you know we're we're fortunate to be one of the biggest schools in the state so we had about 200 kids total on the team uh and you know it was one of those things where we just kind of built up the events and kids brought their friends and you know they they had a great experience and that that's what dan and i were like we're really all about was making making a great experience you know he um i I forget the name of the uh the agency that he works for but um He works with they put on like the Boston Boost Meets and the New Balance uh, Indoor Grand Prix and stuff like that. And yeah so he's all about, you know, the experience, making sure everybody gets like the best of the best. Um, And he really helped grow a lot of that. And that's what helped kind of add numbers into our program. And, uh, you know, just getting those kids out helped pull their friends in. And then it just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. So. We didn't really need to be in the school,
1: you know, healthy things grow. So to hear, you know, 200 between boys and girls, that's, that's a lot. That's amazing.
2: It was, it was a lot.
1: <laughs> how do you, how many coaches did you have and how did you end up splitting up duties there?
2: So we had most of the time, five coaches, um, <laughs> only, I think three of them were paid. Uh, so we had typically had like two volunteers or we would like split stipends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, it was agreed upon. Uh, and it was really just, you know, people were really excited to be a part of like what we were doing and, you know, growing and everything like that. And then, like I said, that all culminated you in know, 2018 with our first school championship. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was definitely not a road that we couldn't have gotten to, even with the help of other coaches. Um, you know, I I learned a lot from, um know, He's he's actually the bloomfield throws coach but uh coach country or uh, damian larkins is his name but coach country as everybody in uh, the throws world knows him i mean what he did for our throwers um was was monumental i mean yeah you know, we had a time where we didn't have a throws coach at all um and he was like yeah send him up send him up my way you know so he runs then coaches i mean you could probably look back in the past like decade and he's probably coached 80% of like the top 3 throwers in the state of connecticut in any event um because people just flood to him because he he's a great personality but he's incredibly knowledge uh knowledgeable and you know he really you know get gets people results wow. but he was just open and he was like yeah of course i'll help you know they, didn't even ask like or you know ask anything from us in return and uh you know and we have a community like i'm sure many people have with pole vault is that you know, not a lot of coaches know how to coach pole vault. So we had to sometimes send our kids out to another coach, like for an indoor facility to jump at or to get poles or to ask questions. And um, that's one of the things that I I really loved about, um, like you said, the connections side of this podcast is, you know, the relationships that we got to build with other coaches as well, to help our program. You know, they weren't worried about, Oh, the competition, like we, we couldn't possibly help our competitors,
1: Right, I, I can't imagine a school sending their pitchers to another school in their league or state to help out, or their uh, quarterbacks all go to you know someone in their county. Like it'd be like, no way, man! You you deal with your own. Exactly. Uh, what, yeah. what selflessness that those you know, Coach Country and uh, some of the pole vault people and others, I'm sure, expressed that to, to help out not, not just you but other schools and kids as well. It's oh, yeah. quite amazing.
2: Yeah, no, it, it's pretty great. I mean, I think one of the benefits of Connecticut being, you know, a smaller state is that, you know, there's only a couple of venues that that are hosting meets mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and you know, so we're all constantly there and we're always seeing it. And you know, at the high school level, which I, you know, and honestly, at, at almost any level, it's not about us, right? Like it, it, it's about it's about the athletes. Um, and the majority of the coaches that I was fortunate enough to get to know were were very along that along that mindset. They were definitely about you know, putting a, a, an athlete forward coaching model together, which is something that, you know, I'm, I'm very big fan of. uh, And it's been great.
1: That's amazing. So as you are having the success in high school and you're doing it for quite a while here now, not just a one or two year kind of thing. uh, Thoughts of coaching college or were you on just a good path and just wanted to keep coaching high school?
2: Yeah. I mean, so in 2020, you know, the, the pandemic starts, and um i had already been planning to leave the gym that i was working at and open up my own gym
0: mm. or open up
2: my own business at least mm. so uh, June 2020 I start that um, So I'm still coaching at Southington um, I started Greenlight Sports Performance
1: um, you started that in the middle of the pan not even the middle the beginning of the pandemic uh, bra- yeah. bravo or uh, not great business advice <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah wow so uh, the banks would agree with that now but it no, it's one of those things where it was right as like some of the um, like the outside mandates and stuff in Connecticut were getting lifted okay. and you know you could do training and stuff outside so mm-hmm. I was I was cool I was ready you know I, I didn't need equipment because right. there was a lot of like speed agility and track and field coaching and stuff like that um and you know so I did that a lot during the summer I worked with teams at the high school um I was fortunate that because I was a coach um I got to use the facilities mm-hmm. uh for free um mm-hmm. m- most people would have to pay um but I had been there long enough and they knew me and they you know knew that I was helping they're athletes. So they were like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, But uh, then I ended up getting an indoor space as well. Um, And so I was, I was set. I was like, we're going to be running, you know, Southern high school. I'm going to be running my business. This, this is life. Um, College coaching had always been something I had thought about, you know, never experiencing it and really only experiencing college athletics for one year. Um, You know, the grass is always greener kind of deal. It's like, Oh man, that, that, that sounds amazing. Full-time pay and getting to coach track and field full-time. That sounds amazing. Uh, and now that I'm in it, it, it is, um, you uh. know, full, full disclosure. I love it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so how I ended up at the university of Hartford was in 2021. Um, well in in. 2019, we were going to win another state championship, or 2020, we were going to win another state championship, and, and I I knew it. Um, we had an incredible, incredible roster, and then the pandemic happened. So I'll just I'll just put an asterisk on that, but not the, not the first time you've heard it, not the first time, I you know, last time you're going to hear it. Uh, but I think we were going, so my wife's family is from Michigan, uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and so we go there every summer. And uh, I think it was like – three days before we were going. So this is August, 2021 now. And uh, I get an email just like one of those like job posting ones from uh, the university of Harvard. It said, you know, interim track and field coach. And I was like, that's weird. Um, because I have actually been sending athletes to um Stacey, our our head coach had been sending athletes to the university of Hartford for years. Um, and I actually currently have three Southington athletes on the roster, um, at the university of Hartford, which is great. Um, and I've, I've coached all three of them directly. So, um, but you know, so I, I've known Stacey for a couple of years, you know, I, I emailed her and I was like, Hey, like I saw this posting, um, you know, do you have somebody in mind? Like, is this just a courtesy post or anything? Um, and she was like, well, no, I didn't even know that posting had come out yet, um, but you should totally apply. So there um their jumps coach, Dan Johnson, incredible guy. Um, he uh, he he's a great, great coach. Um, he's up at the University of Buffalo now, but so he he moved on, and they had this opening for sprints, jumps and hurdles. And uh, so I applied, and you know, and obviously, yeah, <laughs> I think I did okay in the interview, and you know Stacy gave me an opportunity, and it it's it's been pretty awesome.
1: I mean, ultimately, this is a story of a distance runner who becomes a sprint hurdles guy, man. what that That's improbable. It's not supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met? Thor, there there there's people? a lot of
2: continuing ed in there.
1: Yeah, well, hey, well, thank goodness, right? I mean, because uh, there's two ways of doing it. One is to say, yeah, 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 uh, we're going to get as fit as possible and do the repeat twos and fours and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then there's the, okay, I, I, I got to go learn this thing. So what are the resources out there? USATF, USTF, CCA, ALTIS etc so uh, I'm very glad you took the latter path by the way so, so yeah are your, definitely or so your athletes but by the way they're the ones that are really benefit from it have you met you know as you uh, you know finishing up your first year going into your second year of college coaching have you met many people like you people that were distance runners who are now uh, successful sprints and hurdles and jumps coaches
2: uh not not many no <laughs> um it's it's not that it's uncommon um you know there's always that stereotype of like the distance runner that turns, you know, coach and everything. Um, but I have found that, you know, at, at least in college, a lot of the kid or a lot of the coaches, you know, that's what they did in college. That that was their their background that they followed. They then went like the GA route or the volunteer coach route and kind of kept going. Um, you know, I think that there's absolutely people out there who you know, learned and and grew and, you know, learned in those events and everything, you know, I think that like most head coaches, I would say probably know at least a little bit about every event group. Right. Um, really that's what I would expect. And having gone through like, you know, learning how to coach sprints, jumps, hurdles, I was actually our throws coach at Southington for the last two years there. Um, and, you know, not to shoot my own horn, but we were, we were pretty good. <laughs> um, had a bunch of really, really good javelin girls. Um, we went top three in the state two years in a row. Um, and so I learned all the events. And so I was like, well, it would only make sense to learn more about all the events. So I did like the multi um, specialist. I did the throw specialist uh, certifications through the USTFCCA Um Altus has put out, like you said, some incredible stuff. I mean, they cover every event group. So I've done all of those. Uh, And, you know, I don't feel like me not being in that event group as an athlete has limited me in Mm -hmm. in any way.
1: So let's we're going to play both sides of this coin. Let's start with the fun side. So there's many, many high school coaches out there that uh, either want to coach college or, and I mean this sincerely, think they want to coach college we'll get to that part on the other side here what have been some of the as uh, as you, you said you wanted to your second year here what have been some of the positives like man i i did not know x y and z was going to happen this is amazing what are some good things N- not saying that you know high school is lower just you know the transition yeah. from high school to college would have been some just uh, you know really positive things that stand out to you
2: I think group size is definitely one of the biggest things. And, you know, like I said, we had like 200 kids, um, at, um, Southington, but my group now sprints, John Charles, we have about 30 kids. So, you know, working that, that used to just be like the short sprints group, like just one group. <laughs> um, but now, you know, that now it's all of them. So I'm able to actually like really give better feedback, which is what I've always like strived to be able to do, you know, more personalized workouts, um, you know, being able to like actually sit down, I do monthly meetings, uh, with our athletes where we meet, you know, it could be one minute, it could be 30 minutes. It's, it's whatever they need. You know, they get the, the, a lot of time, um, just to check in with them. And it's like, it's not like I don't see them every day, but, you know, we meet monthly to just kind of talk and see how things are going. You know, I ask for, like I said, I, I'm very student athlete led, um, in this, uh, you know, coaching philosophy, So it's a lot about what they want to get out of it. And I think that's something that I wasn't always able to do at the high school level, just because of the sheer numbers, uh, the limited amount of practice time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been pretty great.
1: T- tell me more about that. Cause you know, like we've said here repeatedly now, you know, we don't talk X's and O's, but I'm interested in that relationship between coach and athlete. What are what are you hoping to get out of those type? You said monthly meetings. What are you hoping to get out of those those meetings? And what have you seen the athletes do get out of those meetings?
2: So a lot of the times, and uh, this kind of goes back to one of the, you know, we haven't gotten to the, the negative side or the bad side differences. It, it, um, it's coming. No, I know. But it, this kind of leads into it is that, these student athletes are in a completely different world than where they were even from freshman year to senior year of high school right like so freshman in college senior year of high school completely different so my biggest thing especially with our freshmen is you know do i want them to you know perform well athletically of course like you know uh, as a coach of course i want that for them but you know i want to make sure that they are eating that they're sleeping that they're drinking water that they're going to class that they're you know making friends that they you know aren't homesick because when all of those things are taken care of, you know, the athletic piece comes, yeah. um, and I'm not I'm not worried about that. But I think a lot of times they come in with this notion of being so overwhelmed um, because of the transition of moving on your own own schedule, harder classes. I mean. <laughs> just my freshman I, you know a lot of high school warmups and stuff typically aren't that long um our warm up could be you know 40 45 minutes sometimes depending on the workout and that alone gassed some of these kids like day sure. one so it's you know even just that can be kind of a shock for them and just constantly giving them an opportunity to voice their their feelings their opinions you know their challenges um even if they don't necessarily have them, but just giving them that opportunity, I think has been really, really great uh, for me because, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's things I don't know, but, you know, I like to assume that they're being as open and honest with me because I'm always open and honest with them.
1: You mentioned the kind of trials and tribulations that they're going through as college freshmen, you know, scheduling on their own, et cetera. Uh, if I remember correctly, you kind of have some experience with that yourself. Are you able to it, use that in some kind of counseling form to to the freshmen?
2: Yeah, it's, and it's not even something that I wasn't using as a high school coach and everything too. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's that our, our choices make, uh, you know, our outcomes either positive or negative, right. And, you know, that's where this open line of communication is, you know, because I've built this relationship with them where I can say, like, listen, like you not going to class may not seem like a big deal right now, but you don't know what you 10 years from now is going to be thinking about all it or right. you five years from now or anything. And, you know, a lot of times if you don't have that relationship, it can come off poor. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not like day one, I'm, I'm coming in with, you know, the deep, like heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Uh, but it, it takes time. And I, they deserve honesty because, you know, like everybody, we all deserve honesty mm-hmm. and, um, I think that's probably the biggest difference that I've been able to notice is that the transition from 18, 19, 20, 21, even, even our seniors, um, you know, they take a lot of them now take full advantage of our meetings. Um, you know, and it's good because they'll tell me, you know, the fun things that are happening in their lives and whatnot, but, or if they like did bad on an exam and they don't feel like they're going to get punished for it mm. because, you know, I, I've tried to create a safe space for them where, you know, they can kind of, you know, voice what's going on in their lives and, you know without fear of repercussion or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you brought it up there just a little bit. So I want to continue that just a little bit. Do, do you see those meetings getting more enriching as they move from frosh to soft to junior and senior and uh, kind of add on question that is this, and maybe you haven't said this out loud to yourself, but is this a way of, of, of garnering trust from them? You, you know, we've heard the old adage of, if the if athlete trusts their coach, you know, the, the, it almost doesn't matter, uh, very oversimplification here, it doesn't matter what the workouts are, you know, the trust in the coach and the in the um, uh, philosophy of training is paramount. So do you use, so have you seen a transition in, in the uh, depth and enrichment of those meetings as they've gone along? And do you use, is this a kind of a way of garnering trust from them uh, in the academic and athletic areas?
2: Yeah uh sorry my internet connection is a little unstable hopefully we will fix hopefully it's fixing itself but um yeah i mean so one of the biggest things yeah you know, i was at the same school for years right so it's like at that point you've kind of built up this this reputation and you know people know who you are um so you don't have to like reintroduce yourself every time but you know now i was moving into a new school uh, a new program you know at arguably a much higher level than what I previously was. Um, And, you know, I had to not only get these kids to trust that what I was saying was going to be, you know, accurate and, you know, the best things for them, but they had to also kind of buy into my new training system, right? Because Mm -hmm. we could have similarities because a lot of people do the same, um, uh, you know, education stuff, but execution is everything. And how I, put our plans together and, you know, how that may different from years past. Like my freshmen didn't know anything different, but sophomores, juniors, seniors, um, all of it was new. Right. And so getting them to buy in and trust what I was saying, I couldn't imagine doing it any other way than face-to-face, you know, Mm -hmm. meetings, goal setting, things like that. Um, And every year now, like, you know, the freshmen are still kind of hesitant because they like I, you know, I say this a lot, but they don't know what they don't know. Right. So they think that this first semester is like the hardest thing that they've ever experienced because (laughs) workouts are hard, sleep's tough, you know, all this stuff. Um, but it was also because they didn't get to pick their schedule. So it's like, now they get to pick their schedule for next semester Mm -hmm. and all the years after that, um, you know, school will still be tough, but life gets, life gets better. Um, sophomores, juniors, and seniors though, they've they've been through it. They've been Mm through the tough part. And, you know, I'm sure they still have ups and downs, but they can really kind of reflect a little bit more and get a little bit deeper um, with their goals and what they want to get out of the year and stuff. So like when we do goal setting um, I don't do like, yeah, we have performance goals and stuff like that. And like, I have a general idea based on how they perform at practices of where I want them to be. But, you know, we do a small goal, a medium goal and a large goal where that small goal is, you know, what can I leave the the year with feeling like, okay, it wasn't everything I wanted, but you know, I accomplished it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Medium goal is, you know, the, the, the middle of the road goal where it's typically like, oh, I want to PR in this event, or um, you know, I want to, you know, get a GPA of, you know, three it, based on where we're currently at, realistically, what do we think we can get kind of deal. Yeah. And then that large goal is like, stars align, everything's perfect. Uh, you know, what's that reach goal? Uh, one of my freshmen was like, I want to break 20. And I was like, 20 and what? <laughs> I was like, $20, you want to break a 20? Uh, I got two 10s in my wallet. Uh, no, but he's like, "Oh, okay, so it's not that large. we we'll, got it. Um, but Using those kind of goals, it's not just performance. Like I've got kids that are like, I want to be a better teammate, or I want to get a GPA that is, you know, point two higher, or I just want to show up and be consistent. And that's not just freshmen saying it; it's sophomores, juniors, seniors, hmm. because they understand their their workload and their, you know, what's happening with their lives right now. So they set more realistic things, uh, and it's been really helpful.
1: Those are many, many positives. And obviously you're leading. I mean, that's what coaches do, right? We're servant leaders. We typically get into coaching because we want to serve others. And we have a, um, a God-given skill to help lead people, specifically young people, which leadership is more valuable today than it's ever been. It's more needed than it's ever been. Uh, so uh, I love those kind of leadership qualities that you're instilling into them as well. I mean, those those kids are going to go on to become doctors, business owners, uh moms and dads, they're going to use a lot of the experiences that you're giving them to help lead their families, their businesses, their business units, et cetera. So I I love that uh, you're imparting in them beyond how to run faster in the hundred, how to jump farther in the triple jump, man. That's, that's a valuable valuable lesson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it all lines up a little bit easier on the athletics side and all this other stuff can, can line up okay well we, we mentioned you know there's two sides to every coin Connor uh, and, and there may not be none. I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot here but uh, you know going from high school to college it's not always the grass is greener on the other side uh, I thought when I so I, I started out coaching high school and I wanted to coach college because I thought oh man, how easy would that be you actually get to pick who, you get on your team in high school. I just get yeah. whoever comes out, and you know everybody who is you know coaching college right now is laughing. You, you know you kind of put a smile. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, yeah, you get to pick, sure,
1: sure, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you right. have that control? Yeah. You ain't got that control, right, right, right. So have have you seen any um, experienced anything that's been? Uh, I'll say a negative, but you know that that can be maybe a little harsh, yeah. but just some things you're like, oh, you know what? High school is a little better because we got to do X, Y, and Z here on this side, or 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 not. I don't want to put any assumptions on here?
2: Honestly, I think, you know, University of Harvard has been pretty fantastic for me. Um, You know, our head coach has been really, really supportive of our program and our our growth. I mean, just, I mean, she, Stacey's been, Stacey Wentz, by the way, uh, she's been pretty, pretty influential in, you know, developing this program and really getting it to where we are. Um, I think prior to her starting, no athletes have gone to like NCAA regionals or anything like that. Um, so she's, she, she really taught me what it meant to be a recruiter and getting, you know, the right people on the campus. Uh, and the challenge with that though, is, you know, I, like I said, I'm a very relationship based person. So even during the recruiting process, you know, you're making phone calls, you're seeing them at open houses, you know, you're seeing them at their state championship meets, you build these relationships with the recruits. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh just kidding. We're actually going elsewhere. Sorry. See you later. Uh, and it's, you know, that that's tough. Um, because ultimately I want what's best for them, you know, not what's best for me. And, you know, cause that was the mindset I always had with, with my high school athletes is I was, I was trying to send them to the place that was the right fit for them, you know, athletically or not. And, um, so, so I kind of keep that same mentality with our recruits. And once again, I, I'm, I'm open and I'm honest. Like I'm, you know, I tell them, I'm like, this is what to expect. This is what it's going to be like for you. And like, if this is a place where you feel like we'll be a good fit for you. Awesome. We'll take it. You. you know, I got, I got no problems. Um, but then we, I say we get them and, you know, as life happens, uh, you know, people leave the team, you know, I, I was a prime example of that. And, uh, you know, we have um, some pretty demanding majors at our school. Um, we have a couple of radiology, a couple of music programs. We have prosthetics and orthotics. A lot of our engineering programs are really, really tough. And schedules just become almost impossible. Mm-hmm. So the hardest thing, I think, for me is that, you know, you, you build these day-to-day, you know, you see them through their their hardest moments of, of practice, you know, you see them through their successes, and then, uh, you know, they decide, listen, I can't do this anymore, school needs to come first. And like, you can't be upset about that um, because that's what they're here for. So it losing that day-to-day relationship can be really, I would say probably the hardest thing that I I deal with on day-to-day.
1: Yeah. Not many kids are transferred, even though we we publicize the ones that do, and it's usually like in a basketball or football, but not many kids are transferring out. If you have a kid as a freshman, they're probably going to be there as a senior. And certainly in track and field, we have people that come in and decide, yep, okay, I need to be a baseball player, not a track athlete yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in, in college, for many, many reasons, you, you know, you can have churn with those kids. And so uh, being a relationship guy, I can see where that would be kind of. Um, I don't want to say hurtful because I don't want to overstate it, but it's like, oh man, yeah. you know, I wish, wish Johnny or Sally had stayed. They were, you know, they were a good fit for our team and we'd have been better if they'd have been here still. Yeah.
2: And I, I am fortunate in the sense that, you know, the kids that, are no longer a part of our program are still on campus right Mm -hmm. so it's like you know i it's not that they were leaving because they didn't want to perform athletically it's that Mm -hmm. you know they were given these you know internship opportunities or their class load was too high or like they have to do you know like because we have uh, like i said the radiology and nursing and all those programs like they got to start doing clinicals and stuff um and like that just becomes impossible Uh, Mm -hmm. but it's like i still get to see them right i'll see them you know in in uh uh, when getting breakfast or lunch or something, or they're still friends with the kids yeah. on the team, so they'll come by, and you know that that part's really great. But sometimes losing out on that day to day can be tough because you know you just want what's best for them, and you know you hope athletics can be continued to be a part of that, but it doesn't always work out.
1: And no matter how long they're on the team, whether they're on the team for one semester or three years, and you know radiology, everything, you know, life gets in the way. You've impacted that individual in a positive manner, right? I mean, think about—I I love your journey of you know doing at uh, Merrimack and then you know grades and everything. So you had to leave, but that was an impactful year of you being able to run collegiately. Like you got a lot of ton of experiences, met some people. I—I—I I, I, I have to imagine you probably maybe still have friends from even that one year, of like uh, of being at Merrimack that. you've you wouldn't have had if you would have gone somewhere else or for four years, you know, so it's a good to have that positive impact. I love that you do that. Um, You know, my experience with people from California, I know you're not from California, stay with me on this one, Connor, (laughs) is that people from California want to get back to California. I mean, I've, lived all around this country and everybody that I have met that are from California moved back. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a given. There's this, this traction beam from California. Is there a traction beam for you for distance running? Do you, I mean, you're doing a great job and have done a great job now for, you know, you're going on a decade now of being a sprints jumps hurdles coach. Uh, but I don't want to pigeonhole, you know, some of the best coaches uh, from boo to Dan path and uh, Brooks Johnson continually talk about being generalist, not, specialist, not being a sprint hurdles yeah. coach, you're a track coach. Is there any pull for you to go back into coaching distance runners? Uh I wouldn't
2: say directly. Um I am fortunate that I'm also the assistant cross country coach. Um so I get to, you know, be at the meets and stuff and I get to bring them to their long runs and um, hmm. you know, I get to go to like some of their practices earlier in the cross country season. Um you know it even if it's something as simple as like just walking by, you know, giving a fist bump and just like seeing like how their day is going and stuff. I still get to interact with those runners a lot. Like I may not be making their programming, but right. I don't need to, because I know, you know, Stacy's going to do a great job of that. Um, you know, she's been coaching, you know, top tier runners for a very long time. So I definitely don't have to worry uh, in any way. Uh, so I just get to have the joyful relationship part. I get to experience the, you know, the cross country meets still, but I still also get to be, you know, challenged with my group uh, and, you know, pushed in, to be a better coach with them. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are, are you still a runner yourself? Are you, you going to tell me you do marathons <laughs> and all that
2: kind of crazy stuff? Come on, Mike. That's a loaded question. We can't, we can't <laughs> ask things like that. Um, no, my, uh, hey,
1: you know, hey, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I went to see my foot doctor yesterday. Cause I have some Achilles issues and I'm, I'm on the mend after a procedure. And he looked at me, he goes, are you a runner? And I almost laughed at him. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, bro, we ain't got to worry about that doc. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, you know, would I like to you know run more consistently? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think the the days of sorry, when i when I first started coaching at Southington, um, you know because I was also the assistant cross country coach there, um uh, my goal was to train during the summer and to be able to run with like the the varsity boys by the end of the season. um but our team kept getting faster and faster so that we went from like varsity boys down to JV boys and then from JV boys to our varsity girls and then from varsity girls to our JV girls, uh, which is great because, you know, they, they were progressively getting faster and whatnot. Uh, but it did not not go well for my ego uh, <laughs> and where I thought my athletic career was potentially going. Um, but, uh, you know, so now I follow on a bike, uh, yeah. on long runs and stuff like that, which is great. Um, you know, I definitely don't run as, as much as I would like to, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, I definitely can't get out. Like I said, I, I can't high jump. So I can't, yeah, that's yeah. out. I can't, I can't be doing <laughs> things like that at practice. Uh, yeah, I can get a good couple of demo reps in of, you know, what A skips and stuff should look like. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the most part, now that no, we we stick to a little bit slower lifestyle, I now. love
1: it. I love it. I love it. Okay, Connor, you've opened up a can of worms. Uh, I thought of something because of a, a thing that you do, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here. So I'm going to ask the question, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to give a little bit of a diatribe, so to give you a little bit of uh, time to think about it. So you mentioned with your athletes, I thought this was so cool that you guys sit down and do a small, medium, and large goal for the upcoming year, or maybe even maybe the large goal stretches over their career. You know, you got three years left. It's like, yeah, you know, by the time my senior year, I would like to own the school record or, or whatever that large goal might be. Uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot. <clears throat> I'd like to know your Small, medium, and large goals. Uh, I don't know how, what parameters you put on it for the athletes. I'll be very wide with the parameters. You can be, they could be professional, they could be personal, they could be this upcoming season, they could be your career. I'll let you dictate where the small, uh, what avenue the small, medium, and large goals are. But uh, I'd like to start out with small. What's a a small goal that Connor Green that you have yourself?
2: Thanks, Mike. Uh, this yeah,
1: is... I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was
2: going to say, this is, this is rough. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because uh, the, the first person that ever, like, really got me into, like, this type of goal setting uh, is our former athletic director, uh, Greg Ferry. Um, he is a, uh, a guidance counselor now at another high school, but I still trained his son. So he, you know, he used to give me these forms to fill out, like, every week and stuff. And it's like... It, it's crazy how much that can impact you. Um, but he'll be very disappointed to know that I have not filled one out in a while. So yeah. See, that, that's, um, a, that's what I was yeah.
1: thinking actually, Connor, because I was like, you know, we do some things sometimes for our athletes and that, and we don't do them for ourselves. And I'm not talking about, you know, it's one thing you want your athletes to be fit, whether it's, you know, if you're a distance runner or not, it doesn't matter. Um, but we don't necessarily have to be fit. I, I want you to be fit for your own health and things like that. Yeah. But it's not a necessary, but if you're going to assign goal setting for your athletes, you as a professional and as a personal n- need to have goals. We should all have goals. You know, there, there was a study done that people who wrote down their goals, wrote them down and kept them in their wallet or in their person uh, were like, I'm making up a statistic here, 10 times more likely to hit those goals than people who just said the goals. So when I, my last coaching stop, uh, my my last two, actually Ball State and Mississippi State. So we did goal setting as well. And uh, I'm sure much like you mentioned with with that uh, individual, I'm sure I stole this from someone else, but it was like, oh, so we're going to write them down. That's pretty common. You probably have your athletes write them down. I was like, but I want you to see them every day as well. So it was mandatory. I I never knew if they did it because I didn't go to their rooms, but they had to tape the goals right by their light switch. So the idea was, every night before you go to bed, you got to turn your light switch off. You You're going to see your goals. And then every morning you wake up, you turn your light switch on. You're going to see your goals. So that's why I wanted to challenge you a little bit. I'm like, hey, let's talk about your goals. And again, they could be, I'm giving you a big, what. usually your goals yeah, are academics absolutely. and athletics. I'm letting you go wide here. What's a small goal for you here, Connor?
2: Uh, you know, I think a small goal, if we're if we're going to base it off you know, the parameters that I give our kids, where it's like, you know, I want to finish the year and, and feel good, is that, uh, you know, I'd like every kid or every student athlete to, you know, at least feel like they accomplished something, you know, by the yeah. end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they could not PR, they could, you know, fall down, they could foul everything. But if they feel like they've accomplished something, then I think coaching wise, you know, that would kind of feel within my small goal. Um, you know, being present with my family, I think would definitely be another small goal. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. something I, I know I can achieve. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, it, there's challenges obviously you know yeah, work it, becomes a little bit more heavily focused than it should and uh yeah it, it's funny my dog is actually sitting right next to me snoring uh so you know be, being there for him is important too uh you know so I'd, I'd say those are probably two of my smaller goals that you know I, I want to accomplish and I know that you know we most likely can
1: yeah, I think those are really important. You know, what you mentioned there is a little bit like um, yeah, I'm a former in between my coaching career and guild career as a professional poker player. So I, I like to use a lot of poker analogies and stuff. But those are kind of table stakes, right? It's like, oh, you, you better be present for your family. And boy, your kids better get something out of their year, right? But what's important for you to say those out loud is the intentionality of them. It's like, oh, I want to be there for my family. Well, it's one thing to just say it, but to actually... Do it. Sometimes I have to put that out front and and have it on paper so that I see and I'm held accountable uh, for myself and for my from in this case my family uh, for that goal set. So that's really important. I like that. Thank you for for sharing that. Uh, as you were as you were talking about that, I hope you were thinking about the medium because a I'm medium inter- goal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm <laughs> interested because it's it's interesting you put those into three buckets instead of just large and small, which would be a lot easier. So I really this to me feels like it'd be the harder one. What is a medium goal for you?
2: So I'd say the medium goal for me, you know, if we're talking coaching wise, it'll definitely be, um, you know, I got a couple of school records that we have our eyes on, uh, as well as um, we have an individual last year who I was fortunate enough, Anthony Clavette, he's in, in, talk about a kid that, you know, is the, the stereotypical kid that you want on your team, hardworking intelligent great personality um you know he he's fantastic so he made ncaa regionals last year in high jump he was like one of the last guys in uh and you know at the beginning of the year that wasn't even on our radar he was jumping like two meters um and his pr at the time i think was only like 201 uh but we got him up to 208 indoors and then 208 outdoors so going with him to the ncaa regional mean i mean that was that was crazy um and we, we could talk about that again uh but you know I want to get him back there. He's a senior this year um, and I want, I want him to get to be able to get back there. And, you know, if we can get other athletes up there, fantastic. Um, But, you know, I would say from a coaching perspective, that's one of my biggest goals is to make sure that, you know, it wasn't a once, once in a lifetime experience that he gets to gets to have that again
1: yeah that's a, an experience for him uh, for the coach for the program to know that hey yeah. these are kind of our expectations here we've we've had athletes in the past so why can't we have them in the present and future so yeah that's that's exactly, important yeah. i like that uh, okay so you know after small begets medium next comes large huh? large connor what's a what's a large goal that you have Oh, man, that out there, everything perfectly aligns. I mean, I know uh, when we're recording this, the uh, mega jackpot lottery is 1.5 million Oh, that could be yeah, it's like nine hundred
2: million <laughs> or something now.
1: No, it's like one point five. No, no, it's it's that high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, no, wait, wait, one point five doesn't make it, no. It is right because it went yeah, to nine hundred or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's one point five. I, I saw it this morning. So whoever didn't win it, or you know, no one won it last time. So it's yeah. like one point five is maybe the projected or whatever. It's a lot. That's a lot for yeah, anybody. Yeah. For us, track coaches, yeah. it's it's monopoly money. We can't even conceive that much. So yeah, I, I realized that all might. the banana
2: hurdles I could buy with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that you went there, not not pole vault. Not, tra- not even uh, yeah, track. Not track. You didn't even, you didn't even go yeah. track. You went banana hurdles. I love well, it. Well, no, I, I
2: would that. design something that can efficiently carry banana oh, hurdles dude. without yeah
1: <laughs> but let me put let me put this out into the universe uh so so actually i'll i'll, I'll give a plug here um gabe sanders over at boston university oh, yeah. his, his assistant and uh i can't remember his name i'm so sorry uh they created a like they built their own design it's, it's like qu- a
2: discus holder thing right it's
1: quite amazing it's they did yeah. an amazing job um and before that, we were already working. So we're working on a design. We just haven't priority list, but we we are going to. I told R and D guys, like I know this seems small. I get it. I was like, but this is a big hassle. The yeah, it, it's power spaghetti hurdles. spaghetti string. Yeah, right. It's basically yeah. spaghetti strings all together that they got to figure out how to unhook to have practice. So they do it all the time, by the way, too. Yeah. Okay. Besides, alright, so large lodgery, goal. Uh-huh. Besides buying a bazillion banana hurdles, what is a large goal for you? you know, I think a large goal for me is, you know, just
2: to help get my student athletes to a level that they thought they wouldn't be able to reach. Um, you know, some kids are notorious and are constantly dealing with injuries. Uh, you know, I want, I want to learn and be better so that I, that doesn't happen. You know, granted the events kind of, you know, constantly push that barrier and that boundary um, of, you know, injury and everything like that. But just learning. I want to I want to learn more. And I know that is uh, you know, I have a master's degree and everything like that. So it's like I, I told my wife, I was like, Well, I've got three of I got all three. Like I got it, like you said, Pokemon, I gotta collect them all, right? She's like, if you get a PhD, you're gonna have to find somewhere else to live. And I said, Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, but uh it's you know, I just constantly want to learn more. Um, you know, this USATF level two is one thing. Um i I'm, I'm really excited that knowledge is still something that's really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think learning as much as I can within this year and, you know, making sure that I can be the best coach that I can for my athletes is probably my, my large goal.
1: I love it, man. That's so awesome. That's good for you to say those out loud. You know, sometimes we just need to hear ourselves say those things. Those are, none of those were original ideas for you. You, you've been thinking about those for you know certain amounts of times depending on each one. So for you to hear that out loud is, is really important and will help, um, more likely make those goals uh, to be accomplished over the next six, 12 months, 18 months for you, man. So that's, that's good. I appreciate you uh, uh, getting on the hot seat there. People don't realize sometimes we don't, we don't, um, we don't script out any questions. So all of our guests, including Connor, they don't get questions before this. They, it's a pretty open wide thing, Uh, but they never know when I'm going to throw that curveball of the challenge. Like, Hey, so you do this with your kids. All right. So your kids are going to listen to this and they be like, yeah, finally someone got coach green, make him do yeah. his small, medium, and large. One of your kids are going to uh, listen to this. And- I,
2: I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I got I got to be honest though. Um, so it, are you familiar with uh, Brett Bartholomew? I, I know him by name. I'm mm-hmm. conscious coaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was a part of last year. I was part, they do um, uh, what is it? The, the cohorts. Um, so basically it's, it was like six months. We would talk on zoom Uh, once or twice a week and uh, it was like small groups like five or six of us and you know you you think that was a hot seat you you don't know a hot seat (laughs) uh he i mean he he did a great job of really pushing us past our comfort zones um and you know his big thing is obviously communication and whatnot and you know learning how to not only just talk to people but also like get what you want and ask people for what you want hmm. um and so you know th- those are huge i would i would recommend anybody um you know check out his book conscious coaching and any of his courses and all that stuff brett's and his wife was a part of it and it, it was an incredible experience that i think definitely helped shape my ability to hopefully talk and you know communicate a little bit better
1: so so you what know, i heard Connor, was it, you think I need to get tougher when I challenge people here? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Then whoever
2: the next <laughs> person is. Yeah. Who was ever after me? I, I You, you want to make it a hot seat? You got you to gotta make it a real hot seat.
1: I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. Well, Connor, wrap us up here today. Tell us what's got you excited about, whether it's this season coming up or the next two seasons, what's, what's going on there at University of Hartford?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that just seeing my athletes you know coming into year two now with me wow. um you know they they have really bought into the weight room they bought into the recovery to the practice um i just want to see them compete um uh, and you know i know that performances are going to be better um and i'm sure there's going to be days where they're not but just the energy that this this group has um is, is really exciting and I, I just can't wait to get back into competitions and you know really
1: see them let loose isn't that exciting we we I think we all collectively kind of took it for granted and COVID through all of its horribleness, there's no positivity out of COVID at all. I wish it would never have happened. But, uh, however, it did give us a little bit of like, Oh man, like this can be taken from us at any minute. And boy, I really did enjoy competitions, and I really did enjoy the every day, day to day, on the track grind with with the, my athletes uh, in all of our events. So it really is something precious. So you know that is something to be excited about. That hey, you know what, tomorrow we get to get on the track and 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 have some practice, and you know what, next week we get to go to such and such meet, and uh, we have all these things to look forward to. So it's that uh, it is something special and yeah. uh, and and um, precious, it really is
2: yeah hopefully boo will also do uh, some in person uh, coaching stuff cuz i actually i met boo uh, a couple of years ago in uh, at a coaching clinic and stuff and uh, i was fortunate that he actually remembered my name and then when i asked him why he was like oh you look like somebody from my hometown so it's like so i'll never forget your name <laughs> it's like all right that's fine uh, but i was fortunate to do a zoom uh certification with him but i would love to you know do some in person certification stuff cuz it's it's just different. Uh, you know, yeah. being able to actually like have that, even with the other people in class, just that dialogue and everything. Um, so that that's something else I'd be looking forward to.
1: Yeah, 100%. I tell everybody, I don't care what you coach what event I don't care if you coach tiddlywinks, if you're at a clinic or something and boo is talking, and and I don't care what boo's talking about. If he's talking about weight room stuff, jumps, uh, distance throws, it don't matter whatever you do. And whatever he's talking about, you just go, you will learn something. It's Quite amazing. What an amazing teacher. The, the gift. You know, God gave him that gift of teaching. And thank goodness he got it inside a track and field for us. I mean, we are oh absolutely. Spoiled. God man. could you
2: yeah, if he if he didn't leave football, oh man,
1: what right? <laughs> That'd be terrible. I mean, right now he could be some football guy and we'd be like, Well, I wonder if that guy, he's probably don't know enough about track. And you know, thank exactly, goodness yeah. he's a track guy, man. It's quite amazing. Well, Connor man, uh, thank you so much. You know, uh, I say this at the end of every episode. And it really is. It's so humbling here for me uh, as the host here at the Guild Connections podcast. You know, the most valuable thing that you can ever give us is your time. You're busy. I know what coaches go through. Uh, I'm always amazed when anybody says, yeah, yeah, let's let's record. I'm like, you know, I asked for two hours. I mean, we, we get after it here. Uh, And so I'm just so thankful for you, man. You know, your story. It's really interesting. It's 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 different. That's what I love about each one of our guests is your story. Your origin story uh, is so interesting. No one would ever peg, uh, I'm going to use my words here, don't take offense, a college dropout after their first year, goes to junior college, does not have a running career now at that point, Uh, by the way, is a distance coach and becomes this successful uh, You know, school record breaking producing athletes, coach in sprints, jumps and hurdles, and now coaches on the college level and is doing such amazing things in of all places. I mean, it's. uh Hey, we're if, a
2: powerhouse state.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. one of my best athletes, I'm pretty sure, was from Connecticut. Does the name Glenn McFadden ring a bell? Absolutely. Yeah, he's Connecticut, of course. right? He's, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, yeah.
2: Yeah, he still has
1: school he still has state records where, where did he go did he, not glastonbury what what did
2: he no go? he was from i want to say hill house but i don't hill, think hill house. hill house yeah that was the school yeah. i
1: was trying to think of earlier oh yeah always oh, has good the, athletes the more and multis yeah, and
2: gary and michelle Moore. Uh, you want to talk about two coaches that you should get on your podcast is that I right mean, these yeah they are incredible incredible people uh, first and foremost incredible people but coaches they they. They know what they're doing. Uh, and they're, even their kids are incredible athletes. One's at Kentucky and one uh, is a freshman at Baylor this year. Oh, wow. Oh, is that right? And, uh, yeah. Oh, we're, incredible, incredible family.
1: We're big fans. Well, we're big fans of everybody. But um, our CEO uh, was a five time All American pole vaulter at Baylor. And every oh, one okay. of his kids, all five, uh, went to Baylor. In fact, his fifth, the boy, uh, is running cross country for Baylor track and tracking right now. So uh, he probably Yeah, they're knows both throwers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's with yeah. Chewy. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love yeah. Chewy down there. That's awesome. Uh yeah, I'll have to look them up. Yeah. Uh Glenn McFadden. I coached, I recruited him when I was junior college coaching, but luckily he made his grades and went to Mississippi State and then I followed on got and got him later. there later. Yeah. Uh and just what a I mean, what a track nerd. I mean, this guy, he knew every stat, every I mean, it was. It was impressive. Uh you know, it's 6 foot 4, 6 foot 5 is Yeah, I was gonna say, He was not a
2: small guy. <laughs> no.
1: He used to get so mad at me cuz I'd have him do uh, hurdle uh, up and unders, you know? And so, yeah. you know, he you know, he'd want to cheat and just dip down. I'm like, yeah, "No, no, you got to drop yeah. your hips." And he's like, "Look at me, coach." <laughs> and I was like, "Look, man, that don't matter. You got to get down, big daddy." Exactly. I'm glad you said him.
2: that. I'm glad you said that cuz I got I got kids that are only like 5'10 that give me grief about it, and I'm like, "Guys, I've seen I've seen college linemen you know, 300 something pound dudes get through this hurdle and they don't make them bigger. Like
1: they all want to said that. They all want to give the excuses and they all want to point to the short kids and be like, well, look, you know, if I was five foot one, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. You're six yeah. foot five. I'm not yeah. actually. Cause thank God you're six foot five. Uh, but yeah. to get better, we got to get those hips open big daddy. Yeah, man. I love it. Loved Glenn McFadden. Well, I, I haven't talked to him in such a long time, but that's, that's my Connecticut powerhouse. Like, Oh yeah. I know there's Perfect. kids that come out of Connecticut. Come on, man. There ain't oh, no, I mean no, no shade thrown at Connecticut
2: an incredible, incredible program Hill
1: House has. Yeah, I'll have to look them up. That's awesome. That's a good recommendation. All right, Mr. Connor, man, thank you again so much. I'm so uh, excited about this upcoming year for you, man, the high jumper. We're going to put it into the space right here. He is going to make it uh, back to regional. He's going to jump even higher. He ain't going to be the last man. He's going to be early in the season. He's going to have it locked up. Absolutely, man. So uh, again, thank you for your time. I am just so, so appreciative of you and uh, what you do uh, there at University of and what you do for for coaching track and field it's really important thank you mike great gratefully appreciate being
2: on this it it was an
1: incredible experience for me oh man thank you so much man hey and for you listening out there if you're listening during the week this is weird right because you could be listening to this it could be twenty twenty nine right now and you have no idea what i'm talking about but next week december 12th we're going to be at the ustf ccca convention in denver and we're going to be doing this live so there's no outtakes there's no editing uh if i flub well, I just flub, and so maybe you want to watch just because you want to see if I put egg on my face here. So if you are at the convention, come down to the booth. Want to interview as many, many coaches as we can, five-ish minute at a time. Just have some fun, and then if you're not there, check us out on YouTube Live. Uh, if you go to youtubecom athletics, you'll be able to see the link. You can actually hit like a little reminder button, so it'll remind you on December twelfth uh, when we go live. So hope you join us there for that event, and uh, hope you join us next week when. Uh, just give more value here. We're going to have another amazing coach here in the uh, track and field world and do it all over again. So join us then. All right. Thanks for being here.
0: Thanks, Mike. What an incredible journey coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.